The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing conversations to come. New episodes of With Wit are available every Tuesday on all platforms. Hey, it's Mariana, and welcome back to the Life with Mariana podcast. If you click to download this episode, you're probably stressed out like me and so many of us. I know that I'm constantly stressed out between so many things in my daily life, but if you are wanting to make your life a little less stressful, I've got Dr. Samantha Boardman, who is a positive psychiatrist. She's going to talk to us about tips to decrease stress in your daily life, how to reframe your thinking from anxiety to excitement, and steps to building more resilience against difficult situations. And don't forget Summer Fridays is a brand new product. It's our Summer Fridays new Shade Drops SPF. It's available now at summerfridays.com and Sephora, and the reviews have been amazing. I'm going to read you one really quick. This says, run, don't walk. This is the best sunscreen I've ever used. For the past few years, I've been on the hunt to find a good mineral sunscreen that worked well for my skin. I've been searching for a mineral sunscreen that didn't leave a white cast, was fragrance-free, and didn't make my face wet immediately. It seriously feels like it just melts into my skin immediately after applying, and it's so lightweight. Again, it's available now at summerfridays.com and at Sephora. And before you get into the episode, be sure to subscribe to my podcast because I've got new episodes every Tuesday. And if you're loving it, leave me a rating and review. Now let's hear from Dr. Boardman. Okay, so I feel like a lot of us are stressed out all the time, but what is normal stress and what is stress that we really need to be aware of to make adjustments for? Absolutely. Well, stress is a natural part of our lives. And I think sometimes, you know, we're told like, don't stress out. You've got to get rid of all the stress in your life. It is such an overwhelming message. Like, wait, what do you mean? (laughs) Like, that's impossible. And we're almost like sort of given this information that like, if there's stress in your life, there's something wrong with you. And the thing about stress that I think it's really important to think about is stress isn't, you know, not everything is stress. And it's really your perception of something that's stressful. And here's an example of that. I had a patient a couple of years ago who had been promoted and would be very stressed out whenever he had to give a talk in front of a few people, even like three or four people would give him a lot of anxiety. And he once said to me, you know, whenever I'm thinking about even having to do this, I have this experience where, you know, my knees are shaking, my heart's racing. I have these beads of sweat on my forehead. I feel like I can't breathe and I want to throw up. And then one day he tells me he was watching Bruce Springsteen on like a late night show. And Bruce Springsteen is asked by, I can't remember who it was, like Jay Leno or something. So what's it like when you're about to go on stage and perform in front of you know 15,000 people? And he said, you know, I'm so glad you asked. It's just the most incredible feeling. You know, my heart's racing. I feel like my breath is a little bit shallow. My knees are a little bit weak and I've got these butterflies in my stomach and these beads of sweat on my forehead. And it's my body telling me that I am ready to rock. 
you know, so you're having these almost identical physiological experiences that, that are going on, but how the interpretation is incredibly different. And we know from research too, when you ask somebody like to stand up in public and apparently public speaking is people's number one fear, even more so than death, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And you say, interpret those feelings as excitement. They're much less likely to find it to be stressful. And why I'm saying that is just, it's how we frame information and how we interpret it and experience it can really determine how stressful it is for us. Yeah, I definitely can relate because there's scenarios where I do feel so excited and the excited feeling is the same feeling as a stressful thinking. So if we are need to reframe how we're thinking about stress, what can we do in scenarios like that? So if we are nervous for public speaking, how can we reframe that for excitement? I mean, you know, really like asking, because I think we immediately, the moment our heart starts racing or, you know, our hands start shaking, we, you know, we, we have one knee-jerk response or a lot of us do. I certainly do. But here, there are many different ways. And I'd love to talk about those that we can think about. How can you reframe that? And one would be, you know, imagine somebody you admire right now. What would they do? You know, so if it's, I, I used to have a lot of fear of public speaking and then I Somebody, and some people would always give me this advice, like, Samantha, just be yourself, like go out there and just be yourself, which is well-intentioned, but actually not great advice because I knew that advice would mean I was going to like run at, you know, away from the podium. But, and I remember I'd watching this interview that Barbara Walters was giving to somebody and I was like, wow, like the poise, the, the, the grace, like she seems, you know, lacking any like anxiety here at all. And so I started writing on my note card then, like BW, BW, like what would Barbara Walters do right now? And there's actually a lot of evidence that shows when we are feeling stressed out or reactive or emotional in some way, you know, people tell us just be yourself or, you know, just, you know, trust your gut. But actually, it's really helpful to have like exemplars, people who you hold in high regard. Like what would Mariana do right now? You know, what would somebody in your family, what would your grandmother do right now? you know, somebody has tremendous self-control or perspective on something. And because sometimes I think when it comes to ourselves and where we're feeling emotional, it's really hard to keep that perspective. And almost outsourcing it to others helps us tap into our own strengths and provides perspective. We've even seen this like in younger children. If you say to them, here, try resist playing this really, really fun video game, you know, and here are some really boring math questions that you have to do that they're tasked to do. And some of the kids are just not given any instructions. And the other ones are told, like, think of a famous, like, you know, who's a character you admire? Is it Batman or Dora the Explorer or Bob the Builder? Pretend that you're them. And those kids who are able to kind of channel the strengths of the characters they admire are much more likely to persevere and stay on task. Let's take a quick break to talk about some home things that I love. So you guys probably know if you follow me on Instagram, I like everything very aesthetic in my home, but not all like home good things are created equal. And some of them are a little bit bright and not so like the vibe, but with public goods, they've got such beautiful goods and items that you want to use and actually keep out. The overall aesthetic of the products and packaging are just so nice and simple. And I love how they look in my home. Everything is like very clean and calming. There's no bright colors or mismatched packaging. And I'm going to share with you guys some of the products I'm loving the most. So in my kitchen, this is just like a very funny thing, but I it just makes me like a little bit happy. It's like sparks joy in such a small way. It's the walnut scoring pad. So this is just like the things that I use to like scrub my dishes and my sink, but it comes in a nice neutral color instead of like, you know, usually sponges are like bright green or some other bright color. So I love having something neutral in my kitchen. They've also got cotton kitchen towels and I like to just use these in my kitchen. I hang them like over my sink and I just use these over and over again. And they're so beautiful and they look very Parisian. 
And Public Goods is the one-stop shop for sustainable, high-quality, everyday essentials made from clean ingredients at an affordable price. Everything from personal care and household goods like coffee, toilet paper, shampoo, pet food, and more. Public Goods is your new everything store thoughtfully designed for the conscious consumer. We've worked out an awesome deal for you. Receive $15 off your first public goods order with no minimum purchase. That's right. They are so confident that you'll absolutely love their products and come back again and again that they are giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase. You have nothing to lose. Just go to publicgoods.com slash Mariana or use code Mariana at checkout. That's P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S.com forward slash Mariana to receive $15 off your first order. I think there are things that we're all doing in our everyday life that we don't even realize are making us more stressed out. So are there any small things that you think we should start eliminating or doing less of so that we can get rid of some stress? Yes. I mean, I think I think of these as like a vampires of vitality, right? And one of them is certainly our phones. And I think especially like when we're taking a break, if we've been like on task, we're working on something, the first thing we might do when we take a break is pick up our telephone. It's often the first thing we do in the morning. And it really hijacks our attention and just sucks us into this vortex. And I think being more deliberate about how we're using our phone, it's really unrealistic to think like, oh, I'm just not going to look at social media, but really be deliberate about how you digest it. I mean, certainly when this comes to like the news blues, I've seen people being more and more stressed out. We just saw the Stress in America survey that came out in mid-March showing how the news is such a tremendous just sort of wellspring of misery for people. And I think if you can be deliberate and intentional about how you get it, that you're getting it from reliable news sources, maybe you're going to turn and get that news like two or three times a day, that it's not going to be the first thing you look at in the morning or the last thing you look at before you go to bed. I think it can help you. You can be informed, but also not given a panic attack every time that you do it. Another thing is I think, you know, feeling like you're less of a tumbleweed in your everyday life, like feeling like that you are being intentional about what you're doing, if it's how you're spending time with people. I often talk about the three C's in life and how you're connecting with others when you're feeling challenged in a positive way and how you feel like you're contributing to something beyond yourself. What are those everyday opportunities that you can do that? So you, there's this almost buffer-like effect. So those stressors that are inevitable, those hassles that are you know going to happen, when they've been counterbalanced by uplift, you can really feel like you'll be less stressed by them. When you have like a cozy conversation with your partner in the morning, where you had a moment, you know, where you just had a nice interaction with a barista or with a stranger where you, you know, held the door for somebody, just so like those seemingly minor micro actions can really help create this scaffolding and lessen a lot of the stress we perceive. We're also really, really good at focusing on what's negative. And we're so good at even, you know, if it work, like somebody says something negative to you, but, you know, overall the day was decent. What you'll remember is just that negative experience or the words that they use. If somebody's giving you feedback that we often just cling up like that, like one thing that maybe they said, like we should work on or do a little bit better, you know, all the other stuff we can't recall, but it's what we hang on to. And our brains are primed to do that. I mean, I think that's how we have survived all these years, but we're not so good at turning off our stress response and that like response to negativity and what makes us feel vulnerable. Like if you think about like a gazelle that gets chased by a lion in the wild, if if the gazelle gets away and she goes back to the watering hole with her fellow gazelles, she's not going to be constantly thinking about what just happened to her. And 
But we don't have that ability as well to turn that stress response off. So we really need to be deliberate about it. And I think it's by seeking delight deliberately in your everyday life. Where are the uplifts? How can you create them? You know, and making an effort to focus on them, to share them. And especially when it comes to our connections with others, you know, having a meaningful conversation with somebody being responsive to our partners, just like simple things. Like when our partner tells us something, just say like, hey, tell me more, give them your full attention, put your phone away, express genuine curiosity. And just those three words, like tell me more, can just open up a, a conversation that gets deeper than that often superficial place we keep it because we're just so busy. And part of that is asking yourself, like what's urgent versus what's important? And when we've got a lot going on and there's a lot of stressors in our lives, it's easy to conflate the two. And I think when you're sort of like kind of trying to be a little bit more deliberate about what's urgent or important, we can kind of keep them separate and kind of try to build our resilience and also have just a better every day. Yeah. And I do want to talk about how we manage this because stress is just inevitable in our lives. Like it's just something normal that we all go through. Sometimes it's like more stressful than others. So I want to talk a little bit more about your three C's. So can you explain more about connect, contribute and um, being challenged in a positive way? Yeah. I mean, I, for me, that's sort of how we inoculate ourselves against the everyday hassles that we experience. And one thing in, in my work, what I realized was that, you know, what stresses people out isn't necessarily what I was trained or I assumed stressed people out, which was like those big, bad life events. And it turns out that people in general are pretty resilient to those major life events. But people who say they experience a great deal of everyday stress, that takes a bigger toll on their mental and physical health in those major life events. So that's why I really wanted to write this book, Everyday Vitalities, to kind of figure out, okay, what are those things? How can we inoculate ourselves against these micro stressors, these hassles that build up? And how do we create these uplifts instead? And with you know, with, with this idea of finding connection, everyday connection, where you feel like you are loved, that somebody cares about you. There's research that shows that having frequent positive interactions with others, people who care about you, like that's the kind of secret sauce of a relationship. And, you know, the grass is greener where you water it, making that effort, you know, being responsive, doing something kind, going out of your way like that is, is what really is the building block of these positive relationships. And one of the major stressors people report in their everyday lives is a conflict with a loved one. What are those ways that we can express love, even what we call invisible support to somebody else that sometimes constantly asking somebody, are you okay? Are you sure you're okay? Are you really okay? Can actually backfire and make them feel more stressed out and less worthy or capable, but just doing those little gestures that are invisible to them and being um, a tailwind in creating that sense of felt love. Like, what are the ways, like I always try to think, like, you know, at the end of the day, like how have I, the people I've interacted with them, how do they know that I care about them? And I think we often assume people know that we care, like that, that, oh, this person knows that I care about them. This person knows that I love them, or I'm not going to express gratitude to them. I know that they know I'm grateful or I like that was really sweet that they did that thing, but they they know if I say something it's a little bit awkward or like they know me too well. But how we often keep gratitude to ourselves, we keep these emotions, we keep compliments to ourselves and really underestimate the positive impact that it's going to have on somebody else and also on ourselves. So that's when I talk about connection. Like what are those 
like sort of micro connections that you can make in an everyday way. Before we get into contribute, I want to ask, so uh, some people are still working from home now. So connection, I feel like, especially for like single girls in their 20s, they live by themselves. You're missing that connection that we used to have of like going into the office and seeing other people. So what can people do or people that are self-employed and they work from home and they don't have a team around them? How can you feel connection in your life when often our jobs keep us isolated at home by ourselves all day? No, and that's super, it, it's tough. And I think that we really have to go out, be deliberate about making those connections. And this is old fashioned, but picking up the phone can be really a, a wonderful way to connect with like maybe somebody who lives in another state or you moved away and you're living with your parents again or whatever that, that um, barrier is to connecting with people. It's picking up the phone instead of doing connecting through text or on Zoom, we're so exhausted looking at ourselves and and maybe you spend a lot of the day like in work meetings on Zoom. So picking up the phone, even maybe like you both going for a walk at the same time or some kind of synchronized experience that might be, you know, you're in different places, but having that shared connection in real time and having, you know, conversations about what's going on. I think especially when we've had friends we haven't spoken to in a little while. It feels really awkward connecting. You don't know how to reach out. But most of the time, people are really glad that you do. And just to make that sort of gesture, like, how have you been? Can we, you know, I'd love to hang out or send them something sweet or a photo. I had a patient who hadn't, you know, had somebody had reached out like a year ago and they hadn't responded and they felt really awkward and just kind of trying to reach out again. And she sent a picture of them together from like five years ago. And her friend responded to that and opening up those conversations again. And by reaching out deliberately can, I think, help get us over that like sort of social anxiety hump that can be quite helpful. And people are in general pretty receptive and excited to hear from you. But I would really recommend like talking in real time. And when you do really prioritizing that quality of connection, if you're able to meet face to face or, you know, go for a walk together, put your phones away, give that person your full attention and just really be together. With summer around the corner, it's time to refresh your wardrobe. So let's talk about summer fashion. As you guys know, I love vintage bags. And one of my favorite sites to hunt for vintage treasures is Lapree.com. It's the only platform to shop for the best vintage stores around the world in one place. Whether it's a bag under $1,000 or an investment bag or something trendy, I'll share with you guys a few of the things that I have my eye on from Lapree. So for trendier bags, I love my vintage Prada Pouchette. I use mine all the time because it's so easy to throw into a larger bag, yet large enough that I can throw on my wallet, keys, and phone. Other trendier bags I'm loving are the vintage Celine monogram bags and Gucci monogram waist bags too. So for investment bags, I stick with brands that hold their value like Louis Vuitton's Neverfull or the Dior Saddlebag or even brands that go up in value like the Chanel Classic Flaps and of course Hermes Birkins and Kelly's. For bags under $1,000, I personally love Balenciaga City Bag, Fendi Zucca Baguette, Louis Vuitton Pouchettes, and Dior's Monogram Boston Bag. So check out Lapree.com to shop an amazing selection of pre-owned bags from the best vintage stores around the world. Plus, don't forget, it's always better to shop pre-owned because when you buy used, you're extending the life of a bag and shopping sustainably. And if you're a small business offering your customers amazing pre-owned and vintage luxury, check out wholesale.lapree.com. Lapree Wholesale is the largest wholesale platform for businesses to source authentic pre-owned luxury from pre-owned Louis Vuitton and Hermes to vintage Chanel and Dior. And you guessed it at wholesale prices. And I get so many questions from you asking about luxury bag shopping, where to start, what goes up in value. So definitely check out the episode that I did with Lapree's co-founder, all about luxury bag shopping and resale uh, and happy shopping. I hope you guys love it. 
I know we, a lot of us know like, okay, less screen time, like drink less alcohol, less caffeine, like (laughs) all these things sound great in theory. And we know that it's there to reduce our stress, but we don't actually do them. So how can we find the motivation or the self-control to actually do these things that we know will help reduce our stress each day? Yeah. Cause I mean, there's so many things that deplete us in ways. And I've found that with my patients too, just kind of feeling like you're a tumbleweed in that process and that you're, there isn't that, that you're just sort of being blown about in the wind by all these other factors and other people's schedules and what they want from them. And I think, you know, how do you close that intention action gap? And, you know, I think oftentimes we're really focused on what our weaknesses are. Like, what's wrong with me? How can I stop doing that thing about myself that I don't like? And what research shows is actually when we come at these challenges from a place of strength, like think about what are your strengths? What do you love doing? Ask like your good friends, you know, what do they see are your top strengths? You can even take these strength surveys that are available for free online, like ones at viacharacter.org. And it takes about 10 minutes to do. And it generates your top five strengths. One might be curiosity or perseverance or love of beauty, whatever that is. And try to do, try to use your strengths in a new way. There's research that shows that people who do this are less likely to feel depressed, less anxious, and they feel more like they're flourishing. And I think when we're using our strengths in new ways, we're in that more expansive um, place. And look, people are so quick to tell you what they're bad at, what they wish there was, it was different about them, what their, you know, what, what, what the problems are. And I think when you come at it from a strengths-based strength place, like, tell me about a time you were at your best. Let's think about that. Okay, what strengths were you using at that time? And how could you use those strengths right now to help you navigate what's going on in your life right now? Tap into that reservoir. Even think of some the strengths of somebody you admire. What what you know, how could you use those in your life? And I think it's it's a much more helpful approach to managing a lot of the challenges we face rather than trying to kind of make ourselves like try to take away the things that you know that we're not um that we don't like about ourselves and you know we even know with new year's resolutions people who are trying to like stop doing this or lose weight or you know stop smoking like all that stuff is helpful but also we know that when we use our strengths we're much more likely to stick to whatever changes we'd like to make and also when we do whatever that changes whatever we're trying to if we're operating from a place of strength we do it with a friend like it's pro-social like oh my strength of love of beauty okay i'm gonna try to go to you know maybe an art gallery once a week with a friend and having that accountability piece there too is also really helpful to kind of make us more committed and it will follow through and one of the things too is like sometimes like you said you thought that people were really stressed out about these big things, but there's like little small things sometimes that just really throw us off and stress us out. What can we do when something small like that happens? How can we try to snap out of it? Or is there something we could do when something catches us off guard that like instantly changes our mood? Absolutely. Like I always think of it as having a bad day backup plan, you know, because everything could be just fine. And then boom, like whatever that thing is. And do have like a buffet of strategies that you go to, like that you know that put you in a better mood. Like, is that that moment where you're going to like step away from your desk and, you know, go for a walk around the block? Is that the, you know, the moment where you're just going to like meditate or count backwards from a hundred by threes and, and, and get somewhere? Like, 
One of the, I think, underrated ways that we know that helps people feel better is just physically moving spaces. You don't have to like put your jog bra on or go to the gym, but just physically moving can really shift people's mood. This doesn't just have like, you know, yes, it's long-term, it has benefits for our mental health, but just short-term, just physically like walking, getting up, going to the water cooler. If you're at your house and you're working from home, get up, walk outside, take like in a breath of fresh air, that physical movement can give you a boost in just really a short-term way. Because I think what we do, we often just double down and we'll just be like, okay, let me just dig more into this and stew and whatever we're doing. And that sort of, we self-immerse in that perspective and wherever we are, rather than kind of that physical movement's really helpful. A second thing just to think about involves what psychologists call self-distancing and really thinking, okay, what, what would I tell a friend? who was thinking this right now or going through this right now is another way to, to sort of just kind of lift yourself out of it. Another way to think about this, and this is shown to be helpful with people who are kind of just stressed out in the moment, feeling angry or upset about something is, okay, six months from now, what would I think about this? You know, just to create that space gives us a huge, like it's a completely different perspective and insight into um, how we might handle it. And then one of the things that I think I struggle with myself is I'll be really stressed out or I'm having a bad day. And then I think about other people who are dealing with more stressful things. And it almost takes like the validation out of how I'm feeling because I'm like, oh, but like this, this person's going through something more stressful. How can I understand that my feelings are valid, even if it might seem like trivial to something else that's going on with like a friend or a peer or in the world? Absolutely. And I think people almost feel guilty about how they're feeling or that they're stressed out. And, you know, they're like, well, look what's, you know, what's, what's happening in Ukraine or how can I feel this awful? And it's, I think it's really important to validate our negative emotions. I think there's a lot of pressure, especially in toxic sort of positivity, like just smile or deal with it or whatever's going on with you can't be that bad compared to whatever is going on with that other person. And I think not only are we making that person feel badly about it, but also the idea that we're not allowed to have negative emotions. The negative emotions, I think of myself as a positive psychiatrist, I have to say, that like I'm more focused on, you know, building what's strong as, as I am with what's trying to figure out what's wrong. But helping people see those negative emotions as data. You know, what can you learn from this? What is it telling you? Is this, you know, this frustration? Do I need to regoal? Is this, uh, what information is this giving me? And we know that from research too is helping people label their emotions rather than having that like generalized, like I'm feeling bad or I'm stressed out. Like try to be as specific as you can. Is there a you know, if you need to whip out a thesaurus, do it. Like to get as concrete and granular and precise with your language about the emotion that you're feeling, because that kind of helps you draw like a circle around it. And it feels a little bit less overwhelming. And, you know, unless as though like you're sort of swimming in this swamp of it, and you're also much more likely to feel empowered to take action when you can be as precise as you can about what you're feeling and why, rather than it being this like general cloud that's hovering over you. And, you know, we often have, I think it's almost like binary bias when it comes to our emotions, like we're good or we're bad, we're happy or we're sad. And, you know, trying to kind of hold that kind of both and together that we can be upset, but we can also laugh at something. We can be 
sad, but also see joy in something and really kind of trying to appreciate that and allow for that emotional diversity that that can happen in a couple of minutes, you know, leave alone a day. Let's take a quick break to talk about summer and all the things that we're doing this season. I'm so excited that it's officially the summer season, but summer doesn't last forever. So why spend more time than you need on meal planning and grocery shopping and cooking? With Splendid Spoon, you can make more time to enjoy the season and feel great with plant-based meals that require no prep time. Splendid Spoon sends delicious plant-based ready-to-eat meals and snacks right to your door. So you guys know I've just got like a really busy daily routine. And so I love to just have things in my fridge that are ready to go. So when I'm hungry, I can grab something that's delicious, but also like makes me feel really good. So I'm going to share with you guys a few of my favorite dishes from Splendid Spoon. I'm a big smoothie girl. I'm always like making smoothies and I love to have them already bottled so that when I want to have one, I don't have to worry about like having things stocked in my fridge. So they have a coffee frappe smoothie with coconut cream and maca. There's also a coconut lime smoothie, yum, with avocado and spirulina. There's also so many other smoothie flavors to pick from like chocolate cherry smoothie or blackberry basil. There's also really great soups and grain bowls and I love to just have this in my fridge. I can pair it with other things if I need to or just eat it on its own. There's a brown rice taco bowl, a coconut curry rice bowl, and spice lentil and chickpea stew soup. Splendid Spoon fits into any schedule and there's a meal plan for everyone. And every single meal is 100% plant-based, gluten-free and GMO-free. It's always made with plenty of vegetables and legumes and healthy fats and whole grains and spices from all over the world. Eat well and enjoy more of your summer with Splendid Spoon. Get started today to save on an entire week of ready-made plant-based meals. Just go to splendidspoon.com slash Mariana for $50 off your first box when you subscribe. That's $50 off at splendidspoon.com slash Mariana. I think one of the things that stresses out a lot of us too is goal setting. And it's like, I'm someone, I live for the future, I prepare for the future, but how do we stay present in the moment of what we currently have without being too stressful about the things we're working towards in the future because we would just be chasing this happiness and it's just making us unhappy because we're not happy with whatever is currently going on in our lives. Totally. I mean, I think we're always moving those goalposts. Like whatever we achieve, it's like, okay, you know, like, and that's like, you would sort of maybe ride that, you know, there's that initial sparkle of joy and then what's next. And like, that's how we're built that what's called the hedonic treadmill. Like it's just sort of never enough. So really what I ask patients to do when I first meet them is to think about what do they value most? Like what are the top three things that they value most? And sometimes something that, it's like maybe not something that they've even come up for air to ever think about. And what is it their health, their family, you know, learning something, whatever those things are. And then, you know, I asked them like when they maybe on Saturday, like, how did you spend your time? And there's often like a gap between what they care most about and like what matters most to them and how they're actually spending their time. And what we really work on is trying to create more overlap and what matters to them what they're doing. And that is a really like, I think the sweet spot of resilience is like when you're able to, you feel like you're walking your walk. So even when you're having that bad day, or there's that hiccup you're experiencing, or some negative interaction, that you kind of feel true to yourself in those moments, though, too. And that that is, I think when your your values are mobilized, when you're, they're mobilized in your work, they're mobilized in your personal life, you know, and they're mobilized in these other domains that you're feeling, it creates almost this inoculation against like the inevitable hassles and stressors in that game of guacamole that we're all playing. Yes, definitely. And that's something that I I feel all the time because I'll go through waves of like, okay, I'm okay with all of my jobs and my workload, but then I go through 
just being so overwhelmed that I don't even know what to do. So what can I do in the times where I'm just like, oh my gosh, there's just too much going on? Yeah. I mean, I think it is when you're kind of embodying those values. Another way to think about it is uh, to like sort of think, okay, what are like the three words that I really like the people I work with or like my family to use to describe me? And then, you know, so like, so and to sort of do this kind of almost like check, like engine light is like, am I walking my walk? And then think, well, what three words would they actually use to probably describe me? And then how can I close that gap? Right? So what are those things you could do? Like, if I say I really care about my family, have I called that person? Have I shown up for them? You know, have I reached out? If, you know, if you be caring about your health, like, what are you doing that kind of encapsulates that? And you know, it's it's something I think that it's it's really hard for us to do. It doesn't come naturally because there are all these other urgent matters that are constantly popping up and that like these fires that we're all putting out. But I think when we're embodying them and we're planning them, and there's some research out there that really helps people close that intention action gap. And it's um, called the mental contrasting. And so you think about like, what is that thing you really wish for? Like, what are you like, hoping for and be really specific about it. You can't be like, oh, I just want to live my values. Like, what is that thing that you feel that really matters to you? And make that wish really concrete. And Gabrielle Uchingen at at NYU has done this research and she says, create a whoop goal, W-O-O-P. And the, the, the W stands for that wish that you have and make it really specific. Like, I wish I was, you know, I had a meaningful conversation with my partner, you know, today. And that's what I, that's what my wish is. Okay. Then you, the, the next O is, okay, what would the outcome of that be? Like, I'd feel closer to them. I would feel, you know, like we were more bonded. I'd feel that they understood me more, whatever that is. And then the next O is, what is the obstacle? Because this is the, like the important part. What is that obstacle between you doing that? Like you kind of having that deeper conversation. And maybe it's because my phone's on the table or like the TV's on in the background or like we're always you know, falling into that Netflix hole or whatever, when we're together, whatever that thing is. And then, okay, what's that plan you're going to make? Like, what are you going to plan to make sure that you do that? And I think setting like the wish, you know, the outcome, the obstacle and the plan can really help people close that intention action gap and mobilize those values and feel that that's like scaffolding is around them. And that they are, no matter what happens in their day, that they are like kind of, they're, they're walking their walk. And then one of the things I want to talk about too is at the very beginning, we talked about how people's number one fear is public speaking. And I feel like public speaking kind of goes hand in hand with social anxiety, especially as people are doing more things again in person. Are there any tips you could give people before either public speaking or speaking in small groups to make them feel a little bit less fearful? Sure. Like this is sort of counterintuitive also, but there's really interesting research that shows that like acts of kindness Um, like just doing good deeds can help us when we're feeling socially anxious. And the reason that this is, is because it kind of changes our expectations. And there was a study done like asking people like just like who had some social anxiety, this like, you know, there was the control group and the other ones were asked, like, just do something nice for somebody throughout the day. And those who were like performing nice deeds and being like were busy with acts of kindness um, felt less socially anxious and less shy and were less avoidant of those social situations. And I think when we are feeling socially anxious and especially after 
you know, almost the roller coaster we've been on. Like it was okay to go out. It was not okay to go out. Um, and having not had, you know, so like we don't know how to make small talk anymore. And even patients who over the summer in that little window um, when things seemed to be okay, you know, felt this incredible almost social hangover after going out again. Like it was like, whoa, I, I need to like some downtime after like one Saturday night. I like I just I, I need to like just reboot, you know, all day Sunday. And like, I don't think I can imagine doing this for another 10 days or two weeks or something. But how do we, I would argue not all social interactions matter. I would choose ones that are meaningful, where you could have like a meaningful conversation, where you feel connected. If you're kind of debating, like, should I have that small dinner with friends or go to that huge cocktail party, like probably stick to that smaller one where you're going to feel more connected. You're going to walk away having like a deeper connection to the people that you were with. Um, And also I think those kind acts, it's kind of a backdoor into treating social anxiety and really just feeling less avoidant and anxious about um, a social situation. Yeah, I think that's really good tips because I know even for myself, I'm so comfortable speaking with people, but there's some scenarios where I just get like very nervous still to this day. And so I think that's very helpful for people. And just like one more thing even there is to think about like, I think we assume, and there's research around this too, we really assume that people prefer small talk. Like we keep it light. Like let's talk about the weather, but people genuinely prefer deeper and more meaningful conversations. Like what might that look like? Is it having like a question, like what made you laugh recently? Or what are you looking forward to doing, you know, like um, next? Or, you know, what did you learn from the pandemic? Were there any silver linings for you? Having like kind of having those openers that can help kind of facilitate a deeper conversation rather than that sort of just, you know, inertia of like, oh, isn't it cold out today or whatever, you know, I think it can be helpful to kind of cut through some of that tape and also just like walk away feeling revitalized and and like sort of that there was something more intimate that occurred between the two of you and that those those meaningful conversations are really vitality building. And is there anything that we can do to strengthen our stress muscles so that when it happens, we can deal with them better? Yes. I mean, I think having those three C's, the connecting, the contributing, and that positive challenge be built into your everyday life. I mean, I love your podcast. I think any opportunity you know, to learn something every day is so important. And that, that again, like we sometimes just retreat into these sort of um, narrowing experiences. Like we just are like, I'm just going to go home and, you know, put my feet up and binge watch that show I wanted to watch. But actually when we do, we engage in like more effortful activities, when we do something physical, we connect with another person, you know, we do something for somebody else, but that's actually when we're going to like feel more empowered. And that's what's going to be more revitalizing for us than retreating is when we're expanding, when we're learning something, um, when we're learning something new. And so this is sort of counterintuitive, but I think a lot of people like they're working so hard and then when they stop working, it's like they turn to their phone or they're binge watching a show, but actually the importance of having like a third space and having like something that you love doing that's outside of work that is really engaging that you do just for the love of the game. If it's baking, if it's, you know, your plants in your house, like if it's something that you just love doing, because that actually we know like from research too, that that really kind of helps create a buffer for people too around their stressful work lives or personal lives is having that third space of doing something that they just love to do. Thank you so much. This is so helpful. So where can everybody find you and follow you? 
Oh, sure. I'm at Dr. Samantha Boardman on Instagram and I'm at SamBMD on Twitter. And you can find me at positiveprescription.com. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to subscribe to my podcast and rate and review because it would mean so much to me and follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what episodes are coming up next. 